What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to episode three of the Clip City podcast on Blue Wire. I'm your host, Yovan Buha, Clippers beat writer for The Athletic. In this episode, I interview Clippers rookie Landry Shamit about his rookie season, uh, the adjustment being traded midseason from Philadelphia to LA, how he's adjusted to living out of a hotel, uh, his relationships with Clipper rookies Shea Gilgis Alexander and Jerome Robinson as well as what it's like to start on a playoff team and why the Clippers starting lineup has been so effective since the trade. Uh, But before that, I want to get into the segment I introduced last week, Buha's Block, where I discuss different things on my mind, just riff and and talk about what I, I think is interesting about Clipperland right now. For me, the most interesting thing moving forward is going to be the lineups and rotations Doc uses. If you've paid attention to anything I've written on the Athletic this season, uh, I've gone into that a lot. I've looked at uh, you know the starting lineup, the bench, what's worked, what hasn't. Uh, it's been a very routine thing for me to just kind of check in with lineup data and see you know which players are playing well, which combinations are working which aren't and and what I think should happen. Uh, Right now, the Clippers starting lineup has been amazing. They're at a plus 15.7 net rating in 125 minutes. That is a decent sample size for a starting unit. Obviously, they've only been together for 11 games, so that that is a solid sample size for that amount of time. Uh, And that is an elite figure. You know, that is a Warriors-type uh, you know, like elite starting lineup type output. And on paper, it just, it doesn't really make sense to me. Uh, you know, this lineup has three players, 22 and younger, and none of those guys are a clear cut blue chip guy like a Luka Doncic, a Ben Simmons, a Donovan Mitchell, even a Jason Tatum. I, I would say Shea is the closest to that. But these are all guys that, you know, were, were later picks, uh, you know, had kind of potential as, as role players, but they've all stepped up and, you know, are, are starting for a playoff team. You know, a guy like Zubots started the season, not even in the Lakers rotation. Uh, you know, Landry Shamit was a guy drafted in the, the 20s that wasn't really projected to do much his first season. Shea was a lottery pick, but no one really thought he'd be starting or playing as much as he has. So the fact that those three are contributing as much as they are, I think really speaks to the Clippers' ability to not only identify talent, but you know develop it and dock to trust those three guys to really step up and you know play a critical role on, on a, what's looking like a playoff team. But outside of those three, you have Patrick Beverly, who has bounced around a little bit now, uh, you know, probably 
better geared towards a, a, a bench role on, on most elite teams, but he's really stepped up as almost the de facto small forward in this lineup, which I think is really interesting lately. Uh, you know, the way he rebounds the ball, the way he's able to defend larger wings, get into their legs, really bother them, play physically. You saw what he did against LeBron. You saw what he did against Paul George. Uh, I think Pat's defense has really been underrated all season. Uh, you know, he he has a bad tendency of getting into foul trouble. And that was kind of the running joke early in the season where he, he'd pick up two quick fouls in the first two or three minutes and then have to sit. And eventually that kind of flipped when once Shea started and, and Pat was coming off the bench. But I think Pat has been underrated all season and he's finally kind of getting the credit that he's deserved uh, recently with the way he shot the ball, uh, but specifically with the way he's played since re-entering the starting lineup uh, and really post Avery Bradley, the way Pat has stepped up uh, as the team's best perimeter defender has been impressive. And besides Pat, like the one guy you look at that, that makes sense as a starter on a really good team is Gallo. But even Gallo, you know, he hasn't, he's never been an all-star. He hasn't been in the playoffs for seven years. We all know about the injury history with him. Uh, you know, he's having a career year, career year health-wise, at least compared to the last four or five years. And it's been an amazing season from him, but he's not a traditional number one option on a on a playoff team you know and, and i guess technically lose the number one option on this team but for all intents and purposes gallo is the number one option because he's the starter and you know he, he's not attempting as many field goals as lou but he, he's right behind him so i it, it's just it's it's amazing to me how dominant this lineup has been uh, i do think there's an element to it where they, they've had a little bit of an easier schedule recently especially that Knicks game kind of padded some of the lineup data. But overall, it's been just, you know, it's been very surprising. And I don't really have a clear-cut explanation because the, the Clippers, you know, that starting lineup has been elite on both ends. It's not just like, you know, one end has been good. Like, it's been elite on both ends. You know, they've been top five offense and defense by any, you know, way you kind of cut it. Uh, so that, to me, the sustainability of that lineup is very interesting. I do wonder if they play the Warriors or the Nuggets in round one, uh, if they'll be able to stick with that lineup. I think they can against the Nuggets, against the Warriors. I'm not sure. I do think you might see the need for Wilson Chandler or Luke Mobamute or maybe Garrett Temple to start against the Warriors just because of their size on the perimeter. And I don't think you could go to war with Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson, who are what seven feet and, and six seven respectively, uh, you know, with a six six guy, a six five guy, and a six one guy, like I, I just don't think that's yeah. And then you get into this weird thing where you're like, are you putting Pat on KD? Are you putting Pat on Clay? Are you putting Pat on Steph? Like you, Pat can't guard all three. Uh, I mean, I would I would guess you might put Gallo on KD. Uh, Shea on, on Clay, Pat on Steph, and then maybe Landry on Draymond. Uh, I'm not really sure, but I do think it's going to be, you know, for as good as the lineup has been, it's going to be interesting to see what the Clippers end up doing come playoff time. If they, you know, granted that they do make the playoffs, uh, but depending on who they play, I think you could get away with a smaller perimeter lineup against the Nuggets because for as good as Will Barton and Gary Harris are, uh, I don't think they're those types of players that really cause 
you know, mismatches and are going to really exploit you with their size. It's going to be more their shooting and ability to get out and transition and stuff like that. With the Warriors, you know, it, it's that stuff that's elite shooting. It, it is size. It's it's their ability to get out and transition. But, you know, the, the size is what would concern me from a Clippers perspective. So I do wonder if it ends up being a 1-8 battle, how the Clippers readjust their starting lineup or, or maybe just the rotation, you know, pulling a guy out earlier, putting in a bigger wing. And, and then the elephant in the room, really, with this whole conversation is how does Wilson Chandler look when he returns? How does Luke Mbamute look when he returns? And when do they return? You know, we don't, we still don't know the Luke injury. I've, I've talked about it a little bit. It's been the weirdest thing all season. He's basically been day to day for four months. I can't really recall an injury quite like this, you know, a sore knee that that's just kind of lingered for four months, uh, but no surgery, you know, haven't ruled him out for the season. He returned to practice last week, or I guess, yeah, last week, and, you know, wasn't able to go through a full practice. So who knows when he's going to return? It seems like it's imminent. You know, it might be Friday or by the weekend, but uh, I, I would be skeptical if he returns by tonight's game, which is against the Celtics, or tomorrow's game against the Blazers. Wilson was made available against the Thunder on Friday but he did not play in that game. So I would be, I wouldn't be surprised if he played tonight, but I am interested to see how doc implements him because there's no margin for error for the Clippers right now, especially against a team that's rolling like Boston. So I I do wonder if doc will take that chance to put Wilson in for five to 10 minutes and, and, you know, kind of just throw him to the wolves, so to speak, uh, and see kind of how he does. So I'm very interested with, with what happens with those two guys, because, Looking at the Clippers rotation, uh, Doc has a tendency to play, you know, his two hockey lineups. He loves an all bench lineup, uh, even in the playoffs. You know, it, it won't be as bench heavy, but uh, he still, I think, will play at least, you know, it looks like eight to nine guys for sure, but maybe even 10. Uh, this is a, the deepest bench he's had going to the playoffs uh, in his tenure as Clippers coach. Uh but I, I'm interested to see who that 10th guy is because I think it's safe to say the three bench locks are Lou Williams, Montrez Harrell, and Jermichael Green. I think Jermichael Green has earned that bench lock status. Uh, the ninth and 10th guy right now are Garrett Temple and Ty Wallace, but I'm not sure if those are going to be the ninth and 10th guy heading into the playoffs. So you could have Wilson potentially with, with the way he you know, played earlier in the season could have Luke based on his play last year with with Houston and his familiarity with Doc's schemes and and you know his his system uh and, and both of those guys are you know at least Luke would theoretically be the best perimeter defender the Clippers have Wilson is not really on that level but he's just a, a big veteran you know he's rangy 6869 uh decent shooter and he could kind of play that 3 or 4 spot so I'm not sure. I mean, I'm not sure if either one of them is better than Ty Wallace at this point or Garrett Temple. I think those guys have both been solid. Uh, You know, they've provided defensive versatility, kind of playing one through three defensively with Garrett. He's a really good locker room presence. Uh, He shot the ball decently. Ty, as we all know, can't really shoot that well, but he makes up for that with his ability to get out in transition, his ball handling, his playmaking. He's actually been averaging about four assists per 36 minutes over the last 11 games since he's emerged as that 10th guy. So 
Ty brings a lot to the table. Uh, he hasn't been playing as well recently as he was earlier in the season. He hasn't been finishing the ball as well, but I, I do expect him to be in the mix. But to me, it's going to be super interesting just to see, does Doc go with nine guys? Does he go with 10? Do Wilson and, and Luke earn their way into the rotation with 15 games remaining? You know, Luke might not be returning until like 13 games remaining, 12 games remaining. Uh, Wilson, you know, you'd guess tonight or tomorrow, but I'm fascinated by this just because this to me is, it's the most interesting thing. I think it's been the most interesting thing all season with the Clippers has been their, their lineups and rotations. And I know Doc likes to downplay it and say the starting lineup doesn't matter. And, you know, it's more about who closes and, you know, they they have Lou and Trez who are coming off the bench and, and closing games and stuff. But to me, it does matter. And I think you saw that with the, uh, you know, the, the quarterly differential that was, you know, a negative for them for most of the season when they had Avery Bradley and, and Marcin Gortat starting. Uh, that's now been replaced by uh, Patrick Beverly and, and Avica Zubats. Uh, Landry Shamit, I guess, technically replaced Tobias. But yeah, it, it's to me, the, the lineup stuff is, is super fascinating because this Clippers team doesn't have the top end talent to just show up and beat a team with their talent. Like say the Golden State Warriors, the Toronto Raptors, Boston Celtics, whoever you want to pick. For the Clippers, it's really maximizing their possessions on both ends. That means offensively low turnovers, defensively controlling the defensive glass, uh, not allowing offensive rebounds. Those have probably been the Clippers' two biggest uh, weaknesses this season, You know, the two biggest issues and really, when you look at the trends and their losses, it's always been, you know, out rebounded by 10 or 15, you know, allowing 10 to 15 offensive rebounds, uh, you know, having 19, 20, 25 turnovers. Uh, but that's actually gone down since the trade deadline. I think that's a big reason why the Clippers are eight and three since making these three big trades uh, and really kind of rejiggering, reshuffling the roster and, and rotation, uh, you know, the both of those things have, have trended down. You know, they're rebounding the ball better, turning the ball over less, uh, playing better offensively and defensively. And when the Clippers do that, they're a very dangerous team. You know, this team can grind it out with anybody. Uh, you, you have one of the best closers in the league in Lou Williams. You have guys like Gallo and Trez and, and Lou who constantly put teams in foul trouble. You know, have the added shooting of, of Landry Shamit, Jermichael Green, uh, you know, better defenders now and Zubots and Green and, and Temple. Like the Clippers are, uh, I, it's, it's kind of crazy to me, but I think the Clippers are probably better than they were before the trade deadline, which I, I didn't think was was possible. Uh, but this season has continued to defy conventional wisdom left and right. And, uh, you know, I think that's really been the story of the, the 2018 19 Clippers. But if you want to read more about that, I wrote an article on eight storylines and questions for the Clippers over these final 15 games heading into the postseason. That's on The Athletic. Uh, so check that out on theathletic.com, the Athletic app. If you haven't subscribed to The Athletic yet, please do that. Uh, you can read my work and, and the great work of all my coworkers and colleagues. Uh, in the meantime, though, enjoy this interview with Landry. We spoke at Monday's shoot around. So this is before the Celtics game. I don't know the outcome of that game as of right now. And yeah, enjoy. Uh, if you have any feedback, please reach out to me on Twitter and Instagram at Yovan Buha. And if you haven't subscribed yet to the podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. Appreciate it.
So we're here at the Clippers training facility with Clippers rookie Landry Shamit on episode three of the Clip City podcast. How are you doing today, Landry? Can't complain, man. Thanks for having me. Uh, so what's your experience been like with the Clippers for these first 11 games? Uh, it's crazy. It's already been like a month, but um, I mean, it's been great. They're you know, very welcoming you know, as a whole from top to bottom, front office, coaches, players, staff. Uh, everybody, you know, it's been, they made my transition easy. It was tough at first, obviously, having to get up and move your life uh, mid, you know, mid-season, middle of the year. Um, but, you know, they've, they've, they've been great. I can't complain. They've, they've met all my, you know, whatever needs I've had, taken care of a lot of things to make the transition easier for me. Um, it's been an enjoyable group, you know, you know, to play with. So it's been, it's been good. What's been the biggest adjustment for you from Philly to L.A.? Uh, well, as far as like on the court or like uh, on off the court, whatever. I would say my setup in uh, Philly, like driving. I never drove more than ten minutes to get anywhere I needed to go. Like I had, a, I was right in the middle of everything. Could get on the highway from like my apartment complex. Uh, so it was, I think, driving uh, first and foremost, probably, uh, probably the biggest difference. Now it's taking me, you know, it takes like an hour to get Staples and stuff. Because you're out here yeah, yeah, around Playa. Out here and around like, you know, 3 o'clock. You know, that's when traffic starts getting going, I guess. So, uh, But, yeah, I think driving off the court. Uh, on the court, I think just, you know, the, the aspect of, you know, we we play together so, so well. Share the ball. Um, have various options offensively. Uh, any given night, it's going to be somebody different. It's going to have it going. Um, know so it's been it's been cool like just I don't know just the personalities and the characters of this team uh, are very just a good group I've said that you know this whole time I've been here so it's just been it's been fun you've had an increased role since you've been here you you went from coming off the bench playing around 20 minutes a game in in Philly so now you're a starter closing games you're a really big impact player for this team what's that kind of process been like with you know not only getting traded but then starting and and just having a different role within the team yeah uh, I mean it's been fun as a competitor obviously you want to be you know on the floor in that in that that crucial those crucial minutes Uh, you know it was it was cool like the first time we played Boston in Boston you know I was you know in the game that whole fourth quarter we're trying to get away and close it out so it was um, it's just fun, like you know. I'm a basketball player. I want to play, you know. So it's that's uh, what you ask for. It's what you're here for. You want to play. Um, I'm just lucky they put me in. You know, they, they put me in those situations. And honestly, you know, I will give you know Philly, the team that drafted me, some credit for allowing me to you know play there and be seen as somebody who could you know come in and um, you know help this team. So that I have the role I have now. So I, it's. There's a lot of things, but it's been, you know, just simply as a competitor, it's been fun. Uh, just kind of taking up that new role, having a little more on my shoulders, uh, you know, night in and night out, and uh, putting more expectations on myself even. Um, so it's, uh, I, I enjoy my role. Since the trade, I think you guys are 8-3. Uh, your starting lineup is one of the best starting lineups in the league statistically with like the net rating and lineup data and stuff. Yeah. What has clicked so well with that group? We, we just share the ball. We have no agenda. Uh, we don't care who scores. If we come out and Gallo hits his first couple shots, we're going to keep going to him. If we come out 
and Zoo has a mismatch on a block, and he, he scored his first two out of three possessions. We're going to keep going to him. Uh, Pat, he's knocking down open threes. We're going to keep looking for an extra pass. Shea, off pick and rolls. If he's finding ways to get into the lane, you know, we're going to keep going to it. We don't, nobody cares. So we just want, you know, we understand that we need one another. I think that's the biggest thing. Uh, we, don't, we don't have a, you know, isolation, just superstar, you know what I'm saying? So I mean, you can throw the ball to Gallo and get a bucket whenever you need, but uh, our personnel is just that group. We just, you know, we come out, we defend, and offensively we just share the ball, and that's, that's really what it is. It feels like most teams, when, when they make a trade or the, there's a lot of turnover, it, it takes a, a few games or maybe even a few weeks to kind of readjust and get everyone on the same page. But you guys really, you know, that Boston game, you guys got down by 28, but you had that comeback, and it seemed like ever since then, you guys have just been on the same page with yeah. your chemistry and cohesion and all that stuff. I think the only time I ever felt like, you know, we we needed some, I guess, time. Uh, it was like right after All-Star break, but I guess that's just part of, you know, All-Star break. Yeah, I felt like, you know, right when I got here, we did start clicking pretty quickly. It's easy to, we just got guys uh, integrated pretty quickly. Uh, but the only time where, where it ever felt kind of out of whack, out of sync, was that game in Memphis right after All-Star break, and, uh, which is a good thing. You know, we've only had one game where we felt like, you know, we weren't, weren't all the way on the same page. So it's, uh, I mean, you can't complain about that. It's been, it's been great. As far as team chemistry, is this up there with teams you've been on, even since when you were little, like just the, the locker room chemistry? Okay. Yeah, just you have, yeah, everybody's, everybody's always joking and friendly and like it's like a college atmosphere, you know, because we are a young team. We are a really young team. I and mean, obviously you got OGs like, you know, Lou and, and Gallo and, uh, you know, Pat's kind of in the middle. He like, he's, he's like the bridge between, you know, young and young and old guys and um, I don't know it's just a it's a good group um, accepting you know we're honest with one another you know that's one thing I picked up on quick too you know there's never any you know it's if there's an issue there's an issue let's resolve it you know like men and um, never any hard feelings or anything like that but it's been it's been a good group what's your relationship been like with the you know your fellow rookies on the team Shane Jarrell been good just kind of I think you know us being able to be in these situations uh, you know just being able to play kind of crucial minutes as such young players and be be put in the you know kind of thrown into the fire a little bit I think it's good for our growth as rookies and hopefully in the long term we'll pay off by having a lot more you know late game experience and crucial minutes like that so um, it's been good I mean we're you know getting to know them better and better every day uh, you know, love playing with them, and you know they, you know, it's been again, you know, just a good group of rookies, just good guys more than anything. So, has there been any friendly competition there? Kind of you guys pushing each other as, as rookies, kind of experiencing this for the first time together. Yeah, there's always competition. If it's you know amongst us rookies or whoever, it doesn't matter. That's you know we like to compete on this team. I think that's why we win, and got yeah, just because guys are so competitive. Um, but we, I mean, it doesn't matter if it's just between uh, amongst us rookies. You know, Pat's pushing me to be better. You know, uh, I'm pushing whoever to be better. I think just by just how we practice and how we how we go at it and practice. What What's one thing that fans don't know about when you find out you get traded or kind of that whole trade process? Yeah, it's it's funny because you you have a life, and on the outside it's easy to look and just say, okay, well. His life is playing basketball, and 
that's all it is. But you know, you got a house, you got furniture of your own that you bought. You have all your clothes, and uh, you got your car. You got just like everybody else does. You know, you have all this stuff where you live. You know, I, I compare it to like the corporate world. If you get transferred from you know your office job in San Francisco, and now you're moving to you name it, pick a city. You know, so you, and you got to start in two days. So like you know, you look at it that way. You start thinking, well, there's a lot of logistics that goes into that. How am I going to get the rest of my life, you know, caught up with me? I still don't have all my stuff yet. Just got picked up like a couple weeks ago, like a week ago from uh, from Philly. So, uh, and that's the toughest thing. Obviously, like it's easy to look at it and say, oh, he's still playing and he's he's probably settled in LA. But you know, it's the reality is that it takes a while to. You know, for you to get the rest of your life caught up with you. You're still living in a hotel. Yeah, yeah. You, you think you'll get settled by summer, or is that... uh, it'll be it'll be like I won't get my place place until like mid late July, early August, around that time. I'm gonna go home this off season. I'll be in and out of LA, but uh, I'll be in Kansas City for a majority of this off season. And, um, yeah. And you'd been in LA a little bit before, right? I was out here for three three months pre-draft uh, in Thousand Oaks. So like, if I had to come to LA, I, you know, it was easy enough, easy trip. Uh, so yeah, I've always loved it out here. I've always loved the West Coast, Los Angeles, California area. Uh, we went on both of our you know, West Coast trips this season when, with Philly, and both times spent like three, four days out here in LA. And I was just, you know, I I, I love LA. I, just the weather, the the beach, the ocean, that's kind of my thing, my vibe. Um, so honestly, like, I mean, and I'm walking into a good situation basketball-wise. I think I got really lucky, uh, landed in a good spot. Uh, just, you know, excited to be here. You ever go to a food spot in L.A. yet? Oh, man, I've been to a couple really good places lately. Went to Craig's, got some Italian. Um, I went to Catch, which was really, really good. Catch was really good. Um cool how like everywhere has like a lounge club vibe like uh, like with the music and stuff like it's just yeah. different like you go somewhere to eat dinner and you walk in there and they're playing you know you got dj and music yeah. it's just so you, i don't know you, it's cool you a hollywood guy then uh as far as food that's just where i've been yeah, you know yeah. as far as like where i've gone to eat um and i know there's other really good places i've eaten at a couple places in santa monica boa um and what was the place water water grill uh but yeah no there's a lot of really good food out here so i'm and I was I was a foodie in Philly too though, so I was trying to trying to get my feet wet as quick as possible. So, how's your rookie season? You know, we're winding down now. I got 15 games left for the regular season. How's your rookie season gone? You know, just compared to your expectations heading into the year. 15 games. Yeah. Wow. Um, fast. That's first and foremost. It's gone fast. Um, that's number one. Number two is probably just. Um, getting adjusted i remember at the start of the year the year um kind of the fluctuations were a lot more dramatic you know one game where you play really well uh the next game you would just <laughs> like you know be felt like you just learned how to play basketball or something um and i think throughout that that's kind of leveled itself out and i feel like as a player i've gotten a little more um a little more consistent and like kind of all facets of my game you know early on if one thing wasn't working for me it kind of would you know you know show in other ways and stuff but uh, I think that's the biggest thing becoming more consistent um, and, and getting my routine kind of down pat I think at this point I feel 
feel like a pro, feel comfortable in my, you know, in what I do. So. And then I know you got to go. So last question: uh, What are you looking forward to the rest of the season? Whether that's regular season playoffs, whatever you want it to be. I think just closing out the regular season and, at, on the highest note possible. Like, you know, we're realistically, you know, you're only. I think like three games back from like the four seed or something so it's like you know the west is wide open you know we could put ourselves in a really really good situation as long as we can continue you know controlling what we can control um but i think that's my most exciting part just you know making this final push getting to the playoffs and then from there you know just it's playoff time and you know nothing's guaranteed you know we feel like we match up well with anybody can play anybody beat anybody um, so I'm just excited to continue to grow with this team uh, into, into April and hopefully, you know, as, as far into the playoffs as possible. All right, man. Well, I appreciate yeah. you coming on the Clip City Podcast. Yeah. And good luck tonight. Yeah, thank you. All right, guys, we've got an announcement to make. Blue Wire is teaming up with Harry's to make sure our listeners are shaving comfortably. Go to harrys.com backslash bluewire to save $10 on a value trial set, which includes a five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, a rich lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. You get all of that for just $3 shipped right to your door. Enough with the cheap razors. It's totally worth trying Harry's. Harry's is fixed shaving by combining a simple, clean design with quality and durable blades at a fair price. Harry's founders were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned. Harry's bought a world-class blade factory in Germany that's been making quality blades for over 95 years. Join the 10 million who have tried Harry's. Claim your trial offer by going to harrys.com backslash bluewire. All of Harry's blades come with a 100% quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. Again, make sure you go to harrys.com backslash bluewire to redeem your razor for $3. The first weekend of the NCAA tournament is the greatest betting event of the year. Whether you like filling out a bracket, picking a national champion, predicting first round upsets, or all the above, MyBookie is the perfect home for your March Madness fun. Will Zion Williamson and his teammates cement their legacy at Duke with a title? Can Virginia get past its loss to a 16 seed last year? And can Kentucky get back to the Final Four? If you know the answers, or even if you don't, MyBookie is the perfect place to get in on the action. They have something for everyone, even you, multiple bracket guy. MyBookie has been in business for years. Their goal is to give you the best customer service in the business. And the best part is, they pay out fast when you win. I'm talking 48 hours. Bet with the best, then kick back and enjoy March Madness while you watch your picks cash in. Deposit with MyBookie today with promo code BLUEWIRE for a 50% sign-up bonus. That is promo code BLUEWIRE. With MyBookie, you play, you win, you get paid. Once again, a special thank you to Landry for being the third guest on the Clip City podcast, especially on a game day. You can follow him on Twitter and Instagram at Landry Shamet. That's at L-A-N-D-R-Y-S-H-A-M-E-T. If you have any feedback for me, you can reach out to me and follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Buha. That's at J-O-V-A-N-B-U-H-A. If you'd like to read my work, please check out and subscribe to The Athletic. You can start off with a one-week free trial, see if you like it, then decide if you want to keep subscribing for the price of a cup of coffee. 
Most importantly, please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review the Clip City podcast on Blue Wire. Check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you consume your podcasts. Five-star reviews are mandatory and much appreciated. I will talk to you guys next Tuesday. I have been fed, that's a fact. I have been fed, that's a fact. My credit card purchases get me cash back. My credit card purchases get me cash back. No one else gets these rewards. Sergeant, that is just plain untrue. What in tarnation? Sir, PenFed's PowerCash Rewards Card isn't just for military members. Anyone can get cash back on all purchases. Ah, friggins! You've ruined my favorite song. PenFed Credit Union. Visit PenFed.org slash PowerCash. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA.